Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Jim Cobray. We say amen. Come on, let's try that again. We're all in agreement and we say amen. That's better. Okay, good. Because some of you worked tonight and you didn't eat and you worked all day. You fought traffic. You came to church. You haven't had a thing to eat. You're going to have to keep yourself awake so that... Uh, uh, you get blessed. Last time we were together, we talked about a subject. The subject's found in the book of Hebrew. It's really interesting. The writer of Hebrew writes, and he starts off a sentence or somewhere within the sentence. He uses the word, let us. And that's really the title of the message. And I said there were seven let us's in Hebrews, but I was reading along, there's actually eight. So we had four last week, and we'll have four this week. What does it mean, let us? Let us follow him as he does these things. Let us together with him. I love the writer, how he included himself in the let us's. And this is how we learn how to be what God would have us to be and do what God would have us to do. We find out from the scripture how to live life. And like I said last week, if you don't know what to do, you won't do anything but you, what you feel like doing. And that's where we make mistakes. We become what is called carnal Christians. We just do whatever our flesh tells us to do, and we hope it's okay with God. Yet, God gives us scripture and tells us all the time how to live the life. That's what the New Testament's all about. Now that you're a Christian, it's not just always about Jesus and him being resurrected from the dead or being crucified. It's about you living your life so that you can be successful. Why? Jesus makes a statement in John 10. He says, I have come to give you life and give it more abundantly. Abundant life that you want. Let me say it again. Abundant life that you need need. One more time. Abundant life that you don't even think you could get a hold of comes when you start applying the Word of God. You start using it in your marriage, your children, with your children, your job, and your work. And the more you learn about the Word of God, the more you apply the Word of God in your life, the more you're going to find yourself learning how to be blessed and learning how to get the things that God would have you to get. Because God really wants to bless you, my friends. He really wants to take care of you. He really wants you to be a successful, prosperous witness to a lost and dying world. A guy went by not too long ago. He had a smoke barreling out of his car, but he had every you know, bumper sticker you could think of that said he was a Christian on his car. There's a smoke barreling out. It looks like he had no brakes. He's got Jesus this and Jesus that and Jesus this all over his car. Can I tell you something? If I was in the world and he pulled up with that car, I don't want anything he has to offer me. I don't want that kind of a broke down, busted and disgusted life. I want the one that Jesus paid for. And Jesus said again, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Now, whether or not you deal with this and do something about it is all on you. It's not on me. It's not on Pastor Dan. We can only do the best job we can. It's really all about you making time, like I said, approaching God, getting into God, and finding out what God wants for you, and then start to apply it in your life. And so when he makes his statements eight times in the book of Hebrews, let us He's including himself and he's saying something. 
He says, this is what you ought to be doing. This is what Pastor Jim should be doing. This is what you ought to be doing. Your wife ought to be doing. Your husband ought to be doing. Your children ought to be doing. This is how we learn how to do what God would have us do. That's one of the great things. And remember last week we were together, and quickly I'll just go through them. There were four things that let us said. Let us, number one, be in fear. Fear is not just being, you know, afraid of God but it is respecting God so much and also enough to realize that I can't mess with God. And so many times people will mess with God. You know, they'll play God as if he's some kind of a stupid God that doesn't really know what's going on. Maybe he won't see it. Maybe he won't recognize it. Maybe he won't care. Maybe you got away with something once or twice and, you know, God doesn't really give a flip. I want you to know something. When you treat God like he's an idiot, the only idiot comes up is you. Because God is serious and we need to treat God with respect and reverence. We need to know that he's some God that loves us but not to mess with him. And it's very important. The second thing we found out is that if we're going to let us do anything, we're going to let us, and I like this, be diligent. And be diligent was number two. If I'm going to stay in there, I'm going to work at being a Christian. Now you've got to hear it again. I'm going to work. Being a Christian is when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In order to stay in there, you're going to have to work at it. And a lot of times people don't understand that. They think they, well, now I'm Christian, I don't have to do anything. And boy, I tell you what, there's all kinds of scriptures in the Bible that tell us that people who don't do anything don't get anywhere. And man, and you're not exactly pleasing God by doing nothing. And you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to learn. You're going to have to get in there. You're going to have to be diligent about the commitment that you made to Jesus Christ. Anybody listening? Yeah. The third thing that we discussed is that we're going to have to hold fast. Hold fast to what we believe. Hold fast to what we think. You know, hold fast to our life and our confessions of faith that God gives us. We're not going to let it go because pressure comes. You know how many people have pressure on them and they give up? They just decide, well, it's easier to go the easy way. It's easier to go a different way. And they find themselves not holding fast to the things of the Lord. They find themselves just wavering all the time. They find themselves, their marriage starts to fall apart. Kids start to fall apart. They're growing up, not serving God. And then you wonder why something happened. They didn't hold fast. You got something, hold on to it. I mean, you got God. You got to do your part to hold on to it. And sometimes we don't realize that holding on to it is going to mean that we're going to have to get in and find out where God's at. I remember Debbie and I, when we were young, but we wanted God at any price. I think I mentioned this to you last time. But we wanted price. We looked for churches on Wednesday to go to. We looked for churches. We'd call them during the week. Do you have a Sunday night service? I already had Sunday morning settled. But I, I, you know, I go to our church on Sunday morning. But I'm looking for my, our church didn't have a Sunday night. And they didn't have a Wednesday night. What do you have during the week? Where can we go to find it? We were up in the, Debbie comes from a little town called Lone Pine. Lone Pine, California. Mom and dad lived in Lone Pine. I, you ever drive up to 395 and you think, who in the world would ever live here? It was Debbie. And uh, she graduated from high school there with 12 other kids. Her graduating class had 12 kids. 
My goodness, she was everything. Valavac Victorian, she was a, she was a, uh, the, a cheerleader, head cheerleader. She was, I, I mean, whatever it was, I mean, everybody had about four or five different offices because it was such a small school. We were up there one time, we drove all the way to Bishop, California on an evening just to find out um, that, uh, that we couldn't find a church that was open that had a Wednesday night service. I'll never forget it, Debbie, you probably remember. We got back and we used your mom and dad's car to drive up there and your dad came running out. I said, you okay, you okay? Oh, I'm so glad you're home, I'm so glad you're home. And her, her dad is a bit different, you know? And, uh, and well, he's no longer with us, but I don't wanna be criticizing him or anything like that. I said, well, what's wrong? His name was Les. And I said, Les, what's wrong? Why are you so excited about us being here? He says, you don't understand. I forgot when I gave you the car, the trunk's full of guns. And if they stopped you, it would have been history for you. I said, well, I had just had church. <laughs> so I'll never forget, but we're always looking for a place that we can be diligent with the things of the Lord, diligent. You know, fighting with your spouse. Let's use that as an example. To be diligent to get back to what you know. That's very important. To be diligent to stand firm with your kids. To be diligent to work hard when you don't feel like it. To be diligent to get out of bed when you don't want to get out of bed. You want to lay in bed. Instead of going to church, you want to have a couple of rolls. And I'm not talking about sweet rolls. I'm talking about rolling around in bed, you know. And so, you know, but you're diligent in every area of your life. Holding fast, very important. Holding fast to what you have uh, to, you know, if you don't hold fast, well, then you're going to lose what you have and you've got to hold on. It's very important. And then come boldly to the throne of grace that I, because of who I am in Christ Jesus, we talked about this last week, I should come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm not coming wimping and crying and begging and bawling. I'm not coming waiting for, you know, maybe God will take pity on me. He doesn't do that at all. He comes and when someone comes confidently in Christ Jesus, who they are in Jesus, you can stand before the Father and say these words, Father, I'm not here in who I am. I'm here in my Jesus. And I'm approaching by the grace of God, the throne of God. So I don't come to God because I'm Jim Kilbray. I come to God because I'm in Christ Jesus. God doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. Anybody listening? Come on, it's very important. So we get these four done, and then we continue in the book of Hebrews. Here's number five. Number five is, is and I'll give you the, what it says, and then we'll discuss it and look at the scripture. Number five, go on. And then I have it in parentheses to maturity. A lot of times people don't understand what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian. You're supposed to be coming mature in Christ. Maturity is not how long you've been in church. You need to hear me say that again. Because I've known people who have been in church for 35, 40, 45, 50 years, and now they're as dumb as a sack of rocks. Because they get in church and say, well, I did my part and fall asleep. 
never got anything. Maturity is not based on how long you have been in church. That may be maturity, uh, you know, as, as we think of maturity. They got gray hair, they have, you know, pot belly, they have all that kind of stuff. They're, you know, they're limping all over the place. They're obviously older, and so they're mature. Well, maturity in the world is completely different than we're maturity in Christ. Maturity in Christ is defined like this. When you can get the Word of God, and by the Word of God discern with your senses what is good and what is evil, and you apply the Word of God to whatever situation is, that's maturity. And that's found at the end of chapter 5. You'll find it if you want to read more about it. End of chapter 5, Hebrews, uh, and the last, I think it's the last verse. But let's take a look, if you will, because we're talking about going on into maturity. Let's check it out, okay? So here it is, Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verse number one. Check it out on your Bible. And verse number one of the sixth chapter says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection which is another word, the word perfection there in this particular translation is the word maturity. He makes a statement on how to get mature. It's really fascinating. Notice the words that he says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. In other words, once you've learned about how good God is, once you've learned about what Christ did once you've learned about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, once you've learned those things, don't keep just learning the same thing over and over and over again. I, one of the frustrating things in my life when I was a young man is I went to church and they taught the same thing all the time, but only in a different way. But it was always the same thing. Notice what it says, that you were to go on into maturity, but then he tells us these words, not laying again the foundation of repentance. In other words, you got repentance. Why do you constantly just talk about that as the only thing that's important? When you have something and you constantly talk about that as the only thing important, that becomes the focus of your life and that becomes the most important thing in your life. And what it is, is error by emphasis. So we find ourselves making a statement here. He says, I want you to go on into perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works Boy, that means you're getting in there doing a bunch of stuff that doesn't have anything to do with God. So why he, you know, don't get involved with just that all the time. He says these things, repentance for dead works and faith towards God. He even mentions that if you're going to learn about faith, learn about faith and then move on. It doesn't mean you can't hear it over and over and over again because why? You need to have it encouraged. You need to realize because we forget all the time what we remembered about faith two months, three months, four months ago or what we did. So Every now and then you'll hear something coming up that'll encourage you in faith. But if that's all you're talking about, then it's error by emphasis. Is anybody listening? Very important, but error by emphasis. The next verse, verse number two comes along and he says this, are the doctrines of baptism. You know, you can talk about baptism all the time. Baptism being the most important thing. Doctrines of baptism and that's so important. But the laying on of hands. We talk about laying on of hands and after you understand the laying on of hands, why do you keep talking about laying on of hands? And some churches you get to, and that's all they ever talk about, these kind of things. And the resurrection of the dead or the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits it. 
This we will do if God permits. Let me say it one more time. I want you to look up at the screen. Notice the last few words. It says, and this we will do if God permits. In other words, when you have learned those things, you can now go on into maturity. If God permits, because now you've got it. So when he encourages you, encourages me, and I don't know what to do, here's what God tells me to do. He says, those things are very important. We're not telling you not to learn about them, not learning or be reminded of them on a constant basis, but don't make that your sole uh, input. Find out there's so much more. The Bible, and we mentioned about six things, the Bible's filled with all kinds of things that he talks about. So you leave those elementary things that you should have learned right off the bat and you go into a place that's deeper and God will let you do that as you do and that's called maturity. Maturity is when you discern what is of God and what isn't of God and apply the word of the Lord to it. Now you're mature. Somebody ought to give me a great big amen because that's really important. So, so important. Number six, let's take a look. Let us, let us draw near. And I love this. And, and, and I want to put, uh, I want to give you the verse on this one as we look at it, because now we're going to jump from the sixth chapter to the 10th chapter. And you'll find the next three are found in the 10th chapter, like the first four were found in the fourth chapter. Now the next three are found in the 10th chapter. And he makes a statement, let us draw near. They're very important. How do I draw near? And that's what we're going to see as we take a look at the scripture. Okay, number six, here it is. Let us draw near. Go with me to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse number 19. Just a couple of pages, the 10th chapter, and verse number 19. In verse number 19, it says, therefore, I want to start in verse number 19. I'm going to read a number of verses, but I'm going to get to the, where it says draw near. Watch this. In verse number 19, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. Remember we talked about having boldness to enter into the throne of God. And he says, come, let us draw near with boldness. Let us be bold to the throne of grace. Not wimpy, not begging, bawling, squalling, crying, but coming with confidence in who, not you, but who Jesus is. Because it's Jesus is all about this. So he comes along and he says, having boldness to enter into the holies. And how? By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not coming in on my good works. I'm not coming in on my good looks, if I ever had any. They've been gone for about 45 years. And uh, guess what? I'm coming in on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number 20 says this. Watch this. It says, by a new and living way. And I love the word, which he, notice the capital word H. On the word he, capital H, speaking of Jesus which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Now, a lot of times we don't understand something. There's a veil that has been lifted and the veil was his broken blood, his broken back. When his skin was broken open with that whip, it actually was the veil that we couldn't see through. We couldn't get to God by. Now it's been opened. We can get there now. And he makes it very clear that it's been consecrated for us. Verse 21 comes along and he says, and having a high priest over the house of God. Who is that? Ah, come on. Is anybody here tonight? Who is that high priest? Yeah, come on. It's Jesus. 
and have a high priest over the house of God. His back was broken open. It was his flesh that was open and opened the, the veil. He paid the price for you to get to Jesus. I love that. Verse 22, listen to this. He says, let us, because of what he just did, because of the way he made a way for you, because of the way he opened the doors for you, because of his blood, because of what he's done on that cross at Calvary, guess what? And then he comes along and says, let us draw near. And then he says this word, remember this is number six. He says, let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith. Man, now he comes along and he says, with a, what kind of heart? All right, wait a minute, what kind of heart? I mean, it's right in front of you. Everybody ought to say it out loud. Are you listening? Listen, what kind of heart? A true heart. What's a true heart? A true heart believes in what Jesus has done. A true heart doesn't make excuses like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe he will or maybe he won't. That's not a true heart. That's a doubting heart. That's not a true heart. A true heart says exactly what a kind of a heart I have in faith is exactly what Jesus has done by his blood and by his broken flesh. He has made a way for me to get to the Father. And I'm to come, how? Listen to this, drawing near with a true heart, with full assurance. If I come in my own power, oh, here's your mistake. If you approach God in who you are, you've just made the first mistake. Unless you're born of the Spirit of God, you're in Christ Jesus. And when you approach the Father, you don't approach who you are. You approach in Christ Jesus. I come with full assurance. How? What's full assurance? With a true heart. I mean, it is without a doubt. A true heart is a heart full of facts about who Jesus is, not about who I am. I've already got enough facts about how bad I am. But I know what I'm associated with, and he's got it all together. That's when I come holy with the things of God. And then he says these words, full of church, having a heart sprinkled from evil, conscience in our bodies, washed with the clear water. Man, he has set you up, washed you, made you holy. You may not feel holy. You may not look holy. You may not even act holy. Half you don't even smell holy. But he's made you holy because of who Jesus is. When you go to work, you don't just go to work in your own ability. You go in Jesus' ability with the assurance that the Father is there because of who Christ Jesus is. Somebody ought to give me a great big amen on that. You know, so important for us. But I love number seven found in the 10th chapter also, number seven. And it says this, hold fast. And I put it in parentheses. The other one was hold fast to faith. He says that a number of times. But here he comes along. He says something really interesting. Let me take you, if I may, number seven. Hold fast to the confidence of our hope, which is Jesus. What is the confession of our hope? Without wavering, for he who promised is... Wait a minute. I, when I approach the Father, when I have a need and I need him to get on my side, I'm approaching the Father in who he is, Jesus. What, listen to this. And I'm making a confession with my mouth of what I'm hoping for. And when I make the confession of my mouth of what I'm hoping for, 
without wavering, that means doubting, listen to this, for he, who's the he? Wait a minute, who's the he? Notice the capital H. For he, Jesus, is promised is faithful. Not that I'm faithful, but Jesus who promised is faithful. I live a life of hope. Older I get, the more hope I have. Hope to be able to do things. Hope to be able to walk up the steps and walk down the steps. You know, I weighed 270 pounds two months ago. I weighed about 239 now. And I have another 25 pounds to go. Because I have hope in me that God didn't want me at that weight. So I said, God, how do I lose weight? How am I going to lose 50 pounds? He says, shut your mouth. <laughs> as simple as that. I just shut my mouth. Counted calories. And I just shut my mouth. I'm about five or six pounds away from tucking my shirt in. I haven't had my shirt tucked in in 15 years. You know why? Because I have a pot belly. I still have a pot belly. But that's just there for a season. Because I have hope. I'm going to feel better. I, now listen to this. Some of you are sick in your body. You've got to keep your hope up there. That's what he says. He says, yeah, your confession of our hope. I, 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 I had back surgery. It failed. Then I had knee surgery. It was great. And, and I still walk like somebody out of an of a old folks home. But I'm here to tell you something. Can I tell you something? It's not going to be that way forever. No. I, listen to this. I may walk with a limp and I may be looking like I'm old, but I walk mile and a half to two miles every single day up and down hills. And I'm, listen to what I'm saying. Because my, I'm doing, I'm doing my, I believe in God. I got confidence in God. I got confidence in my Jesus. I, I'm in full assurance with a pure heart. But I want you to know something. I'm doing my part too. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and there's going to, day coming when my hope is going to manifest. I got healed the day I prayed. The manifestation isn't there yet, but it's going to be, baby. Why? So I don't care. What, what has being 75 years old got to do with it? It had nothing to do with it. I mean, I'm older than anybody in this room. I mean, I, I, you know, so here's the deal. If I can do it, you can do it. Why? I got hope. And I speak my hope. And the word of God is my hope. And I don't know how to do it, but I know my God knows how to do it. And all I have to do is do everything I can to get God to know. Is anybody listening? I'm telling you. Some of you have hope, but you don't speak it very much. You don't talk about it. Well, I have hope for your wife. You have hope for your husband. Have hope for your children. Have hope for your finances. Have hope that you could be someday a real tither. Man, that's when it starts to get blessings. My goodness, have hope. Well, start thinking about it. Start talking about it. That's what it says in confession of your hope. And it's very important that you do this. So I love it, and I'm telling you, I'm just going to keep speaking. I don't care what I feel like. I'm speaking it. I'm healed by the stripes of my Lord and Savior. Doesn't, listen, I know it's logical for older people to decay 
and will start limping and falling around. And certainly, I know I've been there and to eat because you don't move and you get fatter and fatter and fatter, man, until you can't find any pants at all. Gosh, are you kidding me? I'm trying to pull my pants up now all the time. Why? Because, listen to this, because I'm making a confession, not just of my faith, but of my hope. Is anybody listening? Come on, somebody. Which takes us to number eight, and we're finished for tonight. Number eight, I love this. This is, let us consider others. Found, if you will, in the 10th chapter, in verse number 24. Let us consider others. Verse number 24 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good work. Stop right there. I need to be around people that stir me in love and remind me of love. Because when you're around human beings, can I just say something to you? There's a tendency not to like them at all and you would like to just knock them out. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been? That's why men don't want to be around people. I mean, they get it at work. They get it all the time. Don't want to be around people. But here's what we need to know is that let us consider one another and order what for? Because I need others to do what? To stir up love and good works. I need to be stirred up. You say, well, how do you get stirred up? Next verse tells you how. Watch this. Not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together. That's called church. In church, you will rub elbows with people. You will smile at people. You will want to see people encouraged. You'll even want to pray with some people that touch your heart. In church, you will, you will be in a place where there are people that will love you and help you and walk in you and stir up your faith and your love and your good works. I have yet to be on the job when anybody ever stirred me up to love and good works. I have yet to be out at a movie theater when anybody ever loved and stirred up good works. But I come to church, and man, I'm going to tell you something about church. Can I just say this to you? I was thinking about you guys. Last week, Pastor Dan was preaching. I was sitting over there, and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, these people are very special to me. They're the Wednesday night people. They don't have to come, but many of them came. And here's what he said. He said at least 20% of the people were in this church hadn't had dinner at all. They came straight from work on the freeway to come to church and hopefully God will touch them and do something great. And God says, I know them. Did you know that sacrificial obedience brings great blessings? So when you're hungry and you don't stop because you're gonna miss worship, when you're hungry and you still come to church because you, 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 you know, and you're tired from working, you've been on the freeway and people have given you the finger and people cut you off, people don't care about you at all. You gotta come into the house of God where you can stir up the love and you can stir up good works and you can be with other brothers and sisters that are faith and you can have confidence. And because you came, that's called sacrificial obedience found in Genesis. You'll find that and sacrificial obedience Obedience brings great blessing. Anybody go to church on Sunday morning 
It's the people that come on Wednesday night that fight for more of God are the people going to get more of God. Come on, somebody. And I'm I, I just so blessed by you coming. So many of you are tired, want to go home, want to fall asleep. And some of you have fallen asleep. And bless your heart. And I just, I'm so grateful that I'm not going to run down and slap you in the face. Um, but, but uh, you know, I'm happy because you came when you didn't have to come. That's what this is all about. Uh, we didn't have to go on Wednesday night. Our honeymoon, we went on a faith convention. We didn't have to do that. We could have gone to Hawaii, could have gone anywhere. Man, we wanted the Word of God. Everybody thought we were nuts. We wanted the Word of God. And you know what? We have never, ever regretted We've had some of the greatest vacations in the world since then. You know why? Because we're in Christ. Now Christ bless us. Come on, somebody. Wow. God is good. So here's all that we've learned in the last couple of weeks together about let us. Let us fear God. Don't play games with God. You start to play games with God. You start to treat him like he's stupid and he doesn't know any better and he just overlook your lifestyle. I'm gonna tell you something. You better chase yourself back to the things of God in fear of who God is. Then he says, let us be diligent. I love those words. We're going through all of these things. Let us be diligent. Diligent, hard working towards the things of God. Let us be faithful. Let us be diligent. We're, we're not going to church once every other week. We're going every week. That's the way it's going to be. In fact, this is a great church because if you can't make it on Sunday, same church service on Saturday. So don't give me excuses. You can't come. See, that's what this is all about. And then he comes along and he makes this hold fast. Hold fast to what? To the confidence that you have in Christ Jesus. Hold fast to what it is you believe. Don't give up on it whatsoever. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us come boldly to this throne. Not just as little wimps, belly aching, bawling and squalling, hoping God will take a little mercy out on us. He already took mercy when he went to the cross for each and every one of us. Then he says, go on. Man, go on and become mature on the things of God. Draw near and he'll draw near to you according to the Bible. Let us hold fast to our hope, and let us consider one another. Man, that's the basis of a great life in Christ Jesus. If God spoke to you, give him a great big praise, Lord. Will you do that? Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.